0: Welcome to This Week in Linux, the new show from the Tux Digital Network that keeps you up to date with what's going on in the Linux and open source world. My name is Michael tonell and this week's episode is slammed with news. So let's just jump right into it, your source for Linux good news. <music> This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linode and by Bitwarden. The Debian project released this week, the latest version of their operating system. So let's talk about what's new with Debian 12 Bookworm. Debian 12 is powered by the Linux 6.1 LTS kernel with packages that are built using the GCC 12.2 compiler. And it also includes support for UEFI on ARM 64 hardware. In addition, Rust 1.63 is available for all the developers out there that are feeling a bit rusty. And on the desktop side of things, Debian 12 comes with a wide variety of options for your desktop environment, including Gnome 43, KDE Plasma 5.27, XFCE 4.18, lx 1.2.0, Mate 1.26, and more. Debian 12 also features a new non-free firmware repository consisting of non-free firmware packages. For those unfamiliar with the term non-free, that refers to being proprietary, not related to any financial cost. If you're thinking that non-free as a term is confusing and needs to be changed, well then, you're right. It does. And it is weird. Of course, there are many more things we could highlight in this release for Debian 12, but we wouldn't really have time for anything else in the show. So for the rest of the changes and updates, you can check the link in the show notes. OpenSUSE recently released the latest version of the Leap edition of their Linux distribution with OpenSUSE 15.5. This version of Leap includes newer MESA packages, KDE Plasma 5.27 LTS, VIM 9.0, open h264 repository is now enabled by default which is really nice linux kernel 5.14.21 is included as well as backports that are included so it's not that the exact same version also stuff has been backported to that version if you'd like to learn more about this, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux because Ryan, Jill, and I have been testing this release, kicking the tires and whatnot. So if you want to know what my hands on experience was like for OpenSUSE Leap 15.5, then check out Destination Linux 328. Recently, Red Hat has announced they will no longer be maintaining the LibreOffice Office Suite within Fedora or Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Red Hat did say that for existing customers, they will maintain LibreOffice in RHEL 7, 8, and 9 with necessary security fixes as they come for the lifetime of those releases. Now it's time to yell and scream at Red Hat for abandoning this office suite while taking no context into consideration. Or at least that seems to be happening in some places, though there is some context to, you know, kind of think about in this. So I guess we'll take a look at the context first before we make a judgment. (laughs) Red Hat's Matthias Clayson, I'm not sure if I said that right, hopefully I did, said on a mailing list, the Red Hat Display Systems team, the team behind most of Red Hat's desktop efforts, has maintained the LibreOffice packages in Fedora for years as part of our work to support LibreOffice for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. We are adjusting our engineering priorities for RHEL for workstations and focusing on gaps in Wayland, building out HDR support, building out what's needed for color-sensitive work, and a host of other refinements required by workstation users. This is work that will improve the workstation experience for Fedora as well as RHEL users, and which we hope will positively be received by the entire Linux community." With this in mind, I would just like to say I am in favor of this decision, because for those that don't know, LibreOffice is a massive project, which means there are many, many packages and many dependencies to maintain in order to package this office suite in a distro. For context, there's at least 195 packages that are not part of the LibreOffice suite, but are dependencies of LibreOffice and would be required for maintainers to keep up to date in addition to all of the LibreOffice packages. This doesn't mean that there's only 195 packages, because in addition to that, there's also 195 packages per version. Earlier, I mentioned that Red Hat will be maintaining LibreOffice still for RHEL 7, 8, and 9, which means that there is at least 585 packages to maintain across those RHEL releases before even touching packages for LibreOffice itself. In fact, the main reason this change is not only good for Red Hat to be able to focus development efforts on more important things like HDR and Wayland and all that, but in my opinion, this is good for users as well because they can all simply use the Flatpak, which is in the FlatHub and is officially maintained by LibreOffice team themselves. Since the Flatpak is officially maintained by LibreOffice, I think that overall it'd be better for everyone because Red Hat can focus on other things, LibreOffice can get more users on their Flatpak, the Flatpak format itself gets more users and users have a simple single location to quickly and easily get the office suite from the Flat Hub. So it seems like a win-win win-win sort of situation. But I understand that not everybody's going to agree with me, but that's my take anyway. What do you think of this news? Let me know in the comments. And for those who would like to learn more, you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Lenovo. Visit lenovo.com/tux. That's lenovo.com/t Ux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides solutions and services to accelerate innovation. Whether you want to build everything yourself or use one of their one-click apps from the plethora of options in Linode's app marketplace, you can do all of this on their awesome cloud services. You can deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Linode even has VPN friendly virtual servers so you can create secure connections over the internet protecting you on public Wi-Fi. And if that wasn't enough, every plan comes with Linode's amazing human powered customer support. Call, someone will pick up the phone, you send an email, someone will respond to you. And if you send something on social media, they will respond to you with a human being involved. I know it's kind of crazy, but that's how it works. So you can go to linode.com tux to get started and when you go to linode.com tux you're going to get a 60 day 100 free credit when you sign up so go there and check it out there's some awesome services at linode and you don't want to miss out so go to linode.com tux nixos has just unveiled version 23.05 codenamed stoat i think that's how you say it offering an array of new components and features NixOS 23.05 comes powered by the long-term supported Linux 6.1 LTS kernel series, upgrading from the Linux 5.15 LTS kernel series to bring improved hardware support and performance. GNOME and KDE Plasma have seen upgrades in the latest version of NixOS with 23.05 bringing support for GNOME 44 and KDE Plasma 5.27 LTS. In addition to those, Cinnamon 5.6 is also available in this release alongside Elementary's Pantheon and the Budgie desktop environment. NixOS 23.05 also introduces new services to enhance functionality, such as the dynamic tiling Wayland compositor known as Hyperland. And there is just so much more. Now next, the NixOS team has also recently published a thread on their forum about trying to secure funding for the costs involved in maintaining and running this project. If you are a user of NixOS and have the means to contribute, I'm sure your support would be greatly appreciated. To learn more about how you can contribute, follow the link in the show notes to the forum thread. And for those interested in exploring the full details of what happens in the release notes of NixOS 23.05, then you'll find links in the show notes. Valve has released a significant update to its Steam client, introducing various UI enhancements and the highly anticipated new in-game Steam overlay. This update originally announced in April has now been promoted from beta to stable, marking its official release. While many tweaks have been made, Valve's emphasis was that the most significant changes are not immediately visible to users. They have restructured the code sharing process across the Steam desktop client, big picture mode, and the Steam Deck, resulting in faster implementation and iteration of new features. This unified code approach allows for efficient development across the different platforms, which is fantastic because that means newer features, better performance for everything whenever they make changes, so awesome. Among the new features and improvements are enhancements to the Steam app UI, providing a more polished user experience. Users can now enjoy richer notifications, ensuring they stay informed about important events and updates. One of the standout additions is the completely redesigned in-game overlay. This new overlay allows players to make notes and pin windows on top of games. The overlay is now significantly more useful than its predecessor, and the note system syncs across Steam accounts, providing access to your notes from any Steam-enabled device. Valve has also introduced hardware acceleration for Linux and macOS users, which optimizes performance and ensures a smoother gaming experience on these platforms. For more detailed overview of the update, Valve has released an overview video that you can check out, which showcases the new features. Additionally, those interested can find a comprehensive list of changes in Valve's blog post dedicated to the Steam desktop app. Also, Steam Deck has received a lot of updates as well, a fresh stable Steam client update, including incorporating many of the tweaks and changes previously introduced in the beta version. As expected, numerous improvements align with those made to the desktop client. However, specific optimizations have also been implemented for the Steam Deck, which is fantastic. And I'm an admitted fanboy of Valve and Steam, and my Steam Deck is used often, so it's safe to say I'm excited to check out this update. And if you'd like to learn more about it, you can find links in the show notes. Recently, Oliver Smith from Canonical, the company behind the Ubuntu distribution, expressed excitement about the idea of a fully containerized and immutable Ubuntu desktop in the near future in a blog post on ubuntu.com. While this has not been officially announced as a guaranteed addition, Canonical would be leveraging Ubuntu Core and Snaps for their sandbox approach to achieve this vision. Earlier this year, Canonical announced that the future Ubuntu releases would no longer ship support with Flatpak apps by default, opting instead to focus on snaps starting with Ubuntu 23.04 Lunar Lobster. This would be doubling down on their commitment to snaps by exploring this concept of an immutable Ubuntu desktop. Oliver envisions a fully containerized desktop where each component is immutable and isolated. They have been steadily enhancing the desktop snap experience and are looking to, you know, into possibly delivering the entire Ubuntu desktop in this manner. And for those unfamiliar with the concept, an immutable distribution provides read-only file systems, preventing changes by users or applications. Uh, components are only replaced, updates are applied atomically, and predictable behavior is ensured across the devices. Applications are also isolated through containerization, such as flat packs or snaps. An immutable Ubuntu desktop would offer an additional layer of stability and security for users. However, it's important to note that an immutable distribution may also be less flexible and potentially introduce complexity. What do you think of the concept of immutable desktops? Let me know in the comments below. And if you'd like to learn more and find out what I think about this news in more detail, then check out episode 326 of Destination Linux, where we take a deep dive into this topic. And of course, links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. You know, might be thinking like, how does it do that? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords and usernames for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you wanna do any of this stuff. You can also access your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser or mobile applications, desktop applications, or even on the command line, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices so you know you're the only person with access to your data, which is very important for a password manager as you might expect. Now, Bitwarden, is a sponsor of this episode, so go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And did I mention you can start it for free? But you can, but I want you to check out their premium account, because there are so many cool features you get for less than a dollar per month. That's right, for only $10 per year, you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, and so much more. You get all of this for less than a dollar per month. So make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwardencom tux. That's bitwarden.com/tux. T-U-X. There is a new version of the Cinnamon desktop environment out with Cinnamon 5.8, bringing a new array of features and improvements. Cinnamon is a desktop environment made by the Linux Mint team and is expected to be featured in the next release of Linux Mint coming very soon. However, if you're an Arch Linux user, then you can already give it a spin if you want. Now let's talk about the highlights of Cinnamon 5.8. The biggest new feature is probably the new gesture support as Cinnamon 5.8 introduces gestures on touchpads, touchscreens, and tablets. Users can now utilize gestures for things like window management, workspace management, tiling, and media controls. And as a fan of gestures on touchpads, actually I just recently started getting used to them, I think it's pretty cool that they're adding it, so nice. Also, another cool feature is the support for the XTG desktop portal, which improves compatibility for Flatpak apps. This integration enables screenshot functionality within Flatpaks, and it also introduces a global dark mode setting, which is fantastic for people like me who love dark mode. It has three options where you can say prefer light, prefer dark, or let the applications decide. Cinnamon 5.8 introduces a new visual concept called styles to enhance the aesthetics of the desktop environment. Each style has three modes, mixed, dark, and light, along with the accent colors if you want to customize those. The mixed mode employs a combination of light applications and dark desktop elements to achieve a contrasting effect. Tooltips tips have been redesigned and now incorporate accent colors and have a larger, rounder appearance. Notifications also adopt accent colors and prefer symbolic icons when available. Now, Nemo has seen some improvements, especially with a performance boost, because they have changed it with support for multi threaded thumbnails. This enhancement reduces CPU resource consumption by generating multiple thumbnails in parallel instead of sequentially, resulting in faster folder loading times, particularly for large directories. These are just some of the changes coming in Cinnamon 5.8. If you'd like to learn more, check out the links in the show notes. Alma Linux is contributing to the OpenQA project and since its inception in 2011 by the OpenSUSE community, OpenQA has become a widely adopted tool. Projects such as Fedora, Debian, Kali Linux, CubesOS, Gnome, and KDE have leveraged OpenQA to enhance their testing processes. Recently, AlmaLinux, a popular RHEL clone, has joined the group and made noteworthy contributions to OpenQA. Linux contributions to OpenQA include adding enterprise Linux support to the QEMU backend, They also have made updates to ensure compatibility with RHEL's QEMU KVM build and improve functionality with the S390X architecture. OpenQA is a very cool technology that helps a lot of projects to enhance and automate their quality assurance efforts. So it's great to see AlmaLinux join and contribute to this already impressive project. If you'd like to learn more about this, you can find the links in the show notes. A new player has entered the Linux game with Ultramarine Linux 38 based on Fedora Linux. Ultramarine Linux offers four editions with different desktop environments. Budgie 10.7, GNOME 44.1, KDE Plasma 5.27.5 LTS, and Pantheon from elementary OS, with the Budgie one being part of the flagship edition. Ultramarine Linux 38, codenamed Tortuga, comes with some notable enhancements from previous versions. While it is based on Fedora Linux 38, it ships with Linux kernel 6.3 by default. One of the key improvements is the use of System76 CPU scheduler, which prioritizes processes for better desktop responsiveness. Although the scheduler is included in all editions, only the GNOME edition currently automatically detects the active application. Additionally, Ultramarine Linux 38 features a modified shutdown sequence, limiting services for faster shutdown times. Like many Fedora-based distributions, Ultramarine Linux focuses on user-friendliness and provides various out-of-the-box tweaks to simplify system setup. The developers even offer a script for converting existing Fedora Linux installations into Ultramarine Linux installations. And as a quick note, Ultramarine is not in reference to being the ultimate soldier Linux distro, but rather the term Ultramarine is a color, a deep blue color, as you might expect, that is the color scheme of the distro. I am partially disappointed it isn't some kind of Rambo commando or other reference to 80s action movies, but it is a nice color choice. So there you go. Anyway, if you'd like to learn more about Ultramarine Linux 38, you'll find links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show and want to be kept up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, then be sure to subscribe. And of course, remember to like that smash button. If you'd like to support the show and the Tux Digital Network, then consider becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com membership, where you can get a bunch of cool perks like access to patron-only sections of our Discord server and much more. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt that I'm wearing right now on tuxdigital.com store. While you're there, you can also check out the other great stuff like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And yes, I did say t-shirts again. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Pennell with the Tux Digital Network, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Your Source for Linux Good News.